You've played the missions. But do you really know the lore? We're here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 167, recorded April 5th, 2023. The topic for this episode is going to be the Lightfall Collector's Edition Part 3. This is the Osiris book. In case you couldn't tell already, I'm your host. I am Elemist. Hey, I'm Orchid. Hey, Orchid. Hello. So we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And, you know, make sure it's a five-star review and let us know about it. Uh, you could also jump into our Discord. The invite is in the episode description, but if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And if you like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, finger guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was, it's rather unenthusiastic today. It's been raining really hard. <laughs> I'm like, it just dried off now. Oh, it's been wet like all day today. Hold up. This is like really damp finger guts. I have thoughts, but I'm, I'm. Not like that. You can find our info on thelordnetwork.com <laughs> alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're still there. <laughs> So this week at Guardians of Lore, the Twoggle, uh, we have we have our newest subscriber. Thank you so much, Linkman Twenty Two. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You have no idea how much it means to us. Thank you. And and I'm I'm still gonna shout out our our other followers, Valaragna and Daviator. And Doom! And Thank Doom. you, too! And also to um, Unnamed Guardian, a bunch of numbers. Yep. Yay! Our, our oldest subscriber. Thank you so much. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much! You guys are keeping us afloat, especially in this economy, so thank you. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. So... I had some last thoughts about the seasonal story because I could not shut up about it last week. So I wanted to float them by you, Elemist, before we went to talk about the dev blog that we got today. Okay, let's hear it. Here are my two thoughts. Okay, the first one is Zevo Wrath influencing people to steal the people to keep the battle going. That is a very good possibility. Right. Because we constantly fight people to get them back. And we're fighting the Taken because they're just like infinite, right? They're just about. They just like make more, right? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like 
Is it a Zivor Wrath thing? Question mark? I think that plays into it. That was just a thought. I don't know. Like, th- there's nothing pointing yay or nay on it, but it's a good possibility. Right. So I thought I would, like, put it out there as a question. Question to keep in the back of your mind for next season, since next season is... Season of the Deep. End of May? Yeah. So end of May? Question mark? I don't know the exact date. It's it's end of May. Guardian Games coming up? Yeah, at some point. I asked one of my dev friends when the season starts, and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's end of May because we had a discussion about how like a lot of the stuff in the API is getting unlocked like two weeks after the new season. Yeah, I think it was like June 6th or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so my other one was... And this is like not my original question. So I listened to this F1 podcast and one of the guys that's... Because of course you did. Of course, I listened to so many F1 podcasts. You have no idea. So I listened to Shift F1. Okay. And one of the hosts is on this other podcast. And so he actually is a reporter for Vice and on this other podcast that he's on, the other guy who's on this podcast um, plays a ton of Destiny. And this guy plays like barely touches Destiny, but he's like aware of it. But they like never talk about Destiny. They talked about the seasonal story in this episode. And I'm this is like coming at me from another person. But I guess like this is a question they had like, why are you sending humans to do a guardian's job if there are so few humans left that they can all live in one city? Why are you sending humans to do anything dangerous ever? They're like a precious commodity. I don't think, and and this is me like thinking of Amanda's personality. I don't think the Vanguard had any say in whether she could go or not. It's not like just Amanda. It's Devrim also. It's like every other human doing anything dangerous. There's also the fact that this is literally the last stand against, you know, the darkness. Right. And there are thousands of guardians. Right. Thousands and thousands of guardians. Right. You can spare the guardians. And so like, it's- the fact that it was wild to me before when we had the forges by the way and they're like oh there are no guardians to spare to like watch the forges oh you mean there weren't six guardians to spare to watch the forges bullshit i it's the same idea like i don't know like you couldn't spare three guardians to do like devrim and amanda's job excuse like we have to do everything no i like i i understand where you and and this actual comment is coming from you can look at it two different ways you know that you can look at it as well if if we're down to literally just one last city why are humans jumping in when guardians should be because you know that's the last of humanity but then there's the other argument or the other side of the argument saying well at this point it's all hands on deck but if she is the best person that fixes all their ships she should be fixing all their ships. I agree. She shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't be out there rescuing people. She's an idiot. <clears throat> like 
I, I completely agree. I don't want to say it's her fault, but it's kind of her fault. Oh, no, it's completely her fault. Because, like, Zavala wouldn't have per- put her on the front line like that. Mm-mm. He would have said, all right, go rescue Amanda. Amanda, you're staying in the tower now. Yeah. And she would have hated that. Like, she actively went out into the field. It, it wasn't specifically, you know, that the Vanguard chose her because she was the best one available. No, like, she decided that that was what she was doing. I mean, it's like, it's like what B says, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, the Amanda Holiday story. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> it... From the management perspective, it you're fucked no matter what. Yeah. Because it's so true. If you say no, they're gonna do it anyway. If you say yes, you're the one putting them in harm. Yeah. I mean, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, but it's wild to me that humans can go do anything dangerous when you have like thousands and thousands of guardians that like are immortal, pretty much. I, like I'm thinking back to Red War as well. Yeah. You had Hawthorne, who is a civilian, you know, a, mm-hmm. a mortal who stepped up because guardians weren't reliable at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, you can make that argument. And I mean, you don't see her stepping up right now. God, if only she would. Uh, <laughs> Hawthorne, so much better than Amanda Holiday, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, anyway, those are those are my two thoughts for the last thoughts of the seasonal story. Seasonal story is over now, except for, you know, the last the epilogue or whatever. The epilogue, the five second epilogue we'll get at the end of the season for some reason. So, but yeah, um, we got a dev blog today. Should we go over it? At least some of the, the personal highlights. All right. There are I mean, your clanmate made some really nice bullet points. I kind of just want to run through all the bullet points because uh, they're here. That is perfectly fine. So do you want me to do the first half and you can do the second half? Sure. Cool. So they started off with guardian ranks and commendations. And I have a lot of thoughts about guardian ranks and commendations. I think a lot of people do. <laughs> um. The guardian ranks are going to go on to show your highest rank achieved instead of resetting back to five each season like they said they were going to. And I am really happy about that because uh, quoting them, they said they kind of missed their mark a bit. I'm like, yeah, you did. You did just a little. (laughs) Just a hair. I thought there was still a line in there that we were still going to have to like actively do all the the blue triumphs under the guardian rank stuff in order to that was you were always going to have to do that right because that's all seasonal stuff yeah but your displayed one will always be your highest one that you've achieved okay so it was always going to go back to like let's say like one of my friends is already like level 10 or something or level yeah Level nine, almost level 10. Level nine is the highest currently. Yeah. Yeah. So he's level nine. He just has to do a GM or something, I think. Yes. Whenever GMs opens. Next week. Mm hmm. So 
he's like, yeah, I'm just doing this because there's nothing else to do in the game. He's pretty much done everything because he like power grinds the game. And but he was upset that he was going to have to go back to level five. And that would be the only thing that shows up there. And so it's like not a permanent thing. And I can understand why people would be upset over that if this is a thing that they chase, that they want to show like how good they are if they actually get to, you know, level 11. Like if you're rank 11, like that's pretty great. Right. Like good for you if you get to rank 11. Who even knows what rank 11 is? Considering some of the the stuff to get rank 11 is to get like the conqueror seal to make sure that you have five seals already. Right. How do people know what those are? It's in the API. Oh, like I I can pull it up on dim right now. There's also like gilding conqueror. There's doing a dungeon solo and flawless. Like there's all kinds of stuff that make it so that it's actually something to be proud of in game. Right. Complete the most recently released raid on master difficulty. Complete the most recently released dungeon on Master Difficulty. Mm-hmm. Complete the, the most recently released dungeon solo. And then, yeah, Acquire Conqueror, Guild Conqueror, Commendations of 1800, and Claim Seven Titles. Like, those are, are the big ones to get Paragon, the final rank. If you haven't been playing the game as long as you and I have, that's a lot of stuff to do. It is. For seven titles. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if they aren't counting legacy titles. I have 15 legacy titles. Yeah. So like if you ever got to the point where you were grinding for Paragon, that would autocomplete for you. Yeah. But if I did, if they didn't count legacy titles, I only have eight normal titles, like current titles. And it counts like Conqueror and stuff. Right. And I've I've got way too many titles, so like I know it's gonna autocomplete for me. Yeah. But a lot of the ones for level eight auto-completed for me when I leveled up to that because I've done like all the raids. Yep. I've done a bunch of stuff. And I would have been really upset if I mean like I did the master raid last week. And if that had an auto if that doesn't auto-complete for me <laughs> when I get to that point, I'm gonna be so mad. Considering the raid completions auto-completed, I think the master version completion is going to auto-complete. It honestly, like, wasn't that hard, so it's fine. (laughs) But it's like... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like... Yeah. mm. But anyway... Yeah. Who knows? There's also the one that I'm the most excited about is that the commendations are changing a little bit. They're going to add a best dressed commendation in the next couple of weeks. I think this is good and bad. It's good because this is what I do anyway for people is that if they have a nice outfit, sometimes I will give them a commendation. It's meaningless because commendations are literally meaningless. And I'll be like, oh, that's a nice outfit commendation. But uh, now there will actually be one for best dressed. But if they think in a group of three that I'm going to see the best dressed one and be like, oh, yes, I'm going to give you best dressed and the other one 
participation or whatever. I'm not. Because they could both look like ass and one will still have to get best dressed. Because, you know, commendation score. I give the one on the left, the left one, and the one on the right, the right one. Me too. Which is what you do. Me too. I know. Right? Or if I'm in a group, I will ask who wants the blue one. What is wrong with you? Why are you blue? (laughs) Which is what I do a lot of times. Be like, hey, guys, who wants the blue one? Oh, that is the green one. That is great. Yeah, because sometimes people want the blue one. Like, I'm not going to deny people if they want a specific color. And and see, in a, a actual like on comms group setting, we all joke about it. But like whoever needs the accommodation is going to get the accommodations. And uh, if I'm playing Crucible, if I'm doing sixes, but when I load in, I always scan people's accommodation scores and I give my two accommodations to the two people with the lowest accommodation score, regardless if they're on my team or not. And see, that is an excellent idea. It, what I what well, like what I normally did was I would wait until the end and see who got accommodations already. And I would pick the two people who didn't get any. See, I I like doing that, too, because I don't like people feeling left out because it feels really shitty when you don't get a commendation and like a sixes kind of situation. You're like, wow, right. like, what did I do to like not get a commendation from somebody? Considering like everybody has two that they can give out. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone should get one. But their whole idea of commendations was just like they're they're so missed like they so missed the mark on these things yeah i mean they did say in this in the coming weeks we're planning additional updates to make giving and receiving commendations more meaningful including updating eligibility for commendations based on activity participation or lack thereof adding a new commendation best dressed and starting in season 21 Objectives to receive leadership commendations in ranks 10 and 11 will be retroactive for the season. So raids and dungeons that you lead from day one will count towards your progress. Like that last part's good. It is, but I don't like the sentence of based on activity participation or lack thereof. Like what's their definition? It, it literally is talking about people who are just AFK farming. Who are AFK. Yeah. Like that. That's what it boils down to. It's AFK farming. They're changing the um, the adjustments being made for legend and master content. The legend exotic mission scaling is also being adjusted. They're reworking the spawn rates and score multipliers for the Mars battleground for the nightfalls because whole oh boy, that's just suck. Right. Because that is the least fun thing to do as a nightfall. Oh, my God. Like, I did it on the <laughs> lowest difficulty and had a hell of a time. Oh, my God. Like, my Doing God. Legend is the worst. I'm like, I'm afraid of that one on Grandmaster. Oh, my God. Doing that on Grandmaster is going to be bad. Well, I look forward to doing that on Grandmaster. <laughs> I want to die. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, do you want to go to a lore network ad? Or is there anything yeah, else you want to talk about? I'm, I'm thinking that's enough negativity. <laughs> do you want to just end on a positive note? <laughs> yeah, let's end on a positive note. 
Shoot to Loot is going to get reworked so that you can pick up orbs of power. I'm so excited about that. Shoot to Loot is about to get goaded. Also, um, go to Twitch and pick up the Destiny 2 uh, pack because there is a shader in it. And it's a brand new shader. It is a new shader. You do not have it. And it's kind of pretty. It so, is. So uh, pick it up. It's called Velvet Intention. Ooh. Giggity. I like it. So you should go pick it up. With your prime rewards, Destiny 2 prime rewards. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Lord Network ad? Yeah. The Lord Network. Even in the darkest of places, the light will always find a way through. If you're like me, then perhaps you're looking for a more in-depth conversation about Destiny lore. Welcome back, Guardians. My name is Samlab and I craft bite-sized cinematic lore videos. So join me each week as I journey through some of Destiny's greatest mysteries. You can find me on youtube.com forward slash Samlab. Stay safe and Godspeed. How about that lore network again? It was soothing. Was it? After getting as heated as I did about Nightfalls. Yeah, that was that was uh -huh. soothing. <laughs> Man, I'm still heated about Nightfalls. <laughs> How about you tell us about this uh, lore book? So these are essentially interrogations or um, interviews, debriefings with Osiris. Mm -hmm. Ikora's probing Osiris to find out what's actually how he's doing, having been possessed by Savathun for an entire year. And what he knows. So this is the first of the three lore books that come with the Lightfall uh, Collector's Edition. And we did them all backwards like we do. In typical Guardians of Lore fashion. Yeah, we never do anything forwards. Because why would we do that? I mean, everybody else does it <laughs> forwards. We should do. I we know. should be unique. Exactly. So um, <laughs> I'm going to read the first page okay. about that yeah um i guess this is just called breakdown guardian fragments of information regarding neptune have been discovered recently that could become of interest to the witness and its disciple callus our planetary scans have been inconclusive so far should you become involved, I want to keep you informed. Osiris has intel, though it may not be fully reliable given his imprisonment by Savathun. Ikora's personal assessment of him has been provided, for your eyes only. Eris believes the Exo-Stranger's pet may have come from Neptune. Documentation regarding this creature, therefore, may bear relevance. Finally, supplemental records from Empress Keitel provide insight into Callus's psyche. Perhaps a weakness can be found and exploited. Good luck, Zavala. It's not that I disagree with the judgment call, Ophiuka said and revolved gently on the spot. But you can't go easy on him. 
It's an evaluation, not an interrogation. Ikora did not give in to the impulse to fold her arms. This time. You know what I mean. Ikora sighed very softly. He was right, all things considered. <sighs> I don't intend to. And I'm well aware that there's an equal helping of suspicion on me for not seeing through Sabathun's deception. We didn't see through it. Ophiuchus's correction was as firm as his earlier challenge. It was a complex series of failures that can't be laid on any one person. Ikora shook her head. She never could have impersonated him so successfully if Sagira was alive. Loss echoed loudly. In that respect, I suppose Zivu Arath did her sister a favor, Ikora finished. Yes, it's sad. Something unsaid lingered there. But, Ikora prompted. But, Ophiuchus continued, you can't tell me you didn't think it too, just for a moment, about bringing her shell back to the relic on Mars. There was a moment, just a breath, where I hoped, Ikora agreed, I shouldn't have. Hope doesn't often obey wisdom. Ophiuchus fixed her with his single gimlet eye. Though he wasn't wrong, Ikora wasn't wholly interested in being generous to her failings. All of the hope in the world doesn't change facts. A relic of darkness is unlikely to be capable of restoring a ghost crafted largely of light, no matter how nice it would be if Sagira could simply pick right back up with Osiris, wash away these last months just like that. Our problems never solve so easily, Ophiuchus said, not unkindly. He drifted close enough to bump against Ikora's shoulder, just above the shimmer of her bond. Ikora steadied herself. Untrue. Evil Avante provides us perfectly fixable problems. A little whir of amusement. Shall we see if the witness is afraid of the dawning? The thought compelled an exchange of almost stifled laughter. <laughs> Doubtful, Ikora amused. But the mental image was a good buoy. In any case, I'll speak with Osiris alone, although the records will be available to you. I'm sure you may spot something I've missed. Ophiuchus hummed a little more. Hmm. You know, he may never be ready for the field again. He certainly wouldn't like to be told that. Ikora held up her hand before her ghost could answer. But one step at a time, field readiness assessment before we make any determination, the same way we would for any hidden agent who's come out of a dark place. Her mouth twisted, wry. Wouldn't it be nice if checking in on Osiris could be as simple as asking, are you all right? <laughs> Ophiuchus said pessimism in a single syllable. Never happen. Why does it seem like that field readiness assessment was essentially created because of Eris? It probably was. <laughs> but anyways, um it's it's a simple conversation. Like they're they're trying to get to the point of figuring out what to do with Osiris. And 
at this point they're they're just talking about possibly finding the solution and you know through the actual you know debriefings the little bit that that actually just like hit super hard was the fact that they were talking about like you know wouldn't it be good if we could bring Sagira back what struck me is that they suggested that they bring Sagira to the relic the relic to me is like the big Plato machine where you just make guns like well the- it just is it's just a machine that makes guns. It never occurred to me that you could do anything else with it. Well, like, and they're like, oh, no, you can just fix ghosts with it. And I'm like, hold on. What? Well, no. So, like, if 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 you remember uh, the Witch Queen campaign, they took the worm familiar. Do the Play-Doh machine and it kept phasing in and out between like different variations of itself through the years and that was where Ikora got the vision of fundament vaguely not really remembering that i did the campaign all of one time okay yeah it like the campaign wasn't kind to my eyeballs so i never did it again and and that's that's fair that that is pretty much where they took Savathun and Oryx's and Zivu's father's familiar, the worm familiar. Mm-hmm. They took the dead calcified carcass to the Plato machine, and Ikora was able to get a vision by placing it on the Plato machine. Oh, uh, okay. And like as she was doing that, it kept shifting between various states throughout its life like there was one version where it was calcified another version where it was actually wiggling and like it just kept shifting between the different phases and like essentially that's how they figured out what was going on with the relic because we were able to take the first glaive that we made and revert it back into a state where it was completely usable like that that's how weapon crafting works is that we essentially take a weapon to the Play-Doh machine and pull a, a certain version from its lifetime. And it it's a weird concept. That's wild to me <laughs> that that's how that works. I figured it was mash gun into Play-Doh machine. Another gun comes out like. Well, because like and, and and then add fish food like I figured the fish food was like the Play-Doh <laughs> and just gun comes out like so what? So like I, I'm specifically thinking of that first glaive because when we originally get it in the very first mission of Witch Queen, it's this rusted over like half destroyed thing and we take it to the Play-Doh machine. We set it on there and it's fully crafted afterward. We didn't specifically add anything and we were able to pull as if it like it was brand new elvis you're blowing my mind right now you have no idea i had no idea this is how the play-doh machine actually worked i thought it was just insert play-doh get gun (laughs) (laughs) you're like oh no it just comes from like some paracausal fucking envelope in the fucking space i don't what (laughs) What? So yeah, that's why they were like, oh, hey, let's use it for Sagira. 
Let's just bring Sagira back with Play-Doh and fish food and just like, <laughs> what, the hopes and dreams of children? I don't know. What? But they're like, but it's a darkness machine. She'll come back dark. We can't do it. And I'm like, but all the other ghosts are dark, too, so it'll probably be fine. Right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, she might have a cool new outfit. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well and, and so like considering they don't have her ghost part anyway they only have her outfit part the actual ghost ball is gone well yeah but like right? i mean they only have the outfit if the ghost's the eyeball the outfit is all they have well no i'm, I'm pretty sure they have the eyeball as well Oh, I was just thinking of like the little statue they made of her in like the house or the the memorial place. Yeah. On Niamuna. Yeah, that was my main takeaway from this page is you can put Sagira on the Play-Doh machine and make a Sagira. I was just like, that's wild. Okay. Also, the whole like, oh, I didn't, we didn't see that it was actually not Osiris. And I'm like, yeah, no one did, except everyone did, except no one did, because Osiris is an asshole. That's why you didn't see it. Right? <laughs> didn't we say that? Yeah. Even though everyone's like, no, he's acting super sus. I'm like, but he isn't. He would totally do all of this. This is within character. He is that much of an asshole. Right. I have like a list of things he would do with that are within character. All of this is within character. This fits the parameters. <laughs> Osiris, giant dickhead. <laughs> I love him to death, but my God, Osiris, big dick. It's it's like and it's not the energy kind. He's just a giant asshole it's like all right osiris don't be an asshole challenge impossible you're not my superior (laughs) (laughs) failed yeah (sighs) all right do you want to read the next one absolutely all right let's let's continue on subject first debriefing with osiris Contextual notes follow. Osiris looks smaller than my memory of him. It's as if the version of him that Sabathun played was based on our expectations, the larger-than-life man and the long shadow he's always cast. Or perhaps she played in Osiris newly separated from Sagira, one who did not yet feel the weight of the loss, had not been given the chance to. Now Osiris seems plainly human, in a way he never has, even at his most despairing. And I barely think I recognize him. But today, a familiar glimmer of his former self roused over the strong scent of the tea I made, and gave me a sort of patient, impatient look over the rim of the cup, as if to say he knows what I'm about is and is going to do me the courtesy of not mentioning it. That's just as well. Osiris has never been one to sit down and openly talk about his feelings, and I doubt very much if his time in Savathun's possession will have changed that. Still, as I said to Ophiuchus, a shared pretext can go a very long way between those long familiar with each other. Recording of conversation follows. 
You're going to try to spare my feelings, I too, Ikora. It had crossed my mind to be polite to someone who's been held captive by our enemy for a year, yes. That was unworthy of me. You're going to have to work harder than that to offend me, Osiris. <laughs> we shall see how that goes. I'm assuming you want to talk about the intelligence I had gained. Yes. You haven't said much about what it is, only that you remember a little. I want to start from the last place we saw you before you were kidnapped and establish the full chain of events. There was some fuzziness about when you were last... you. Hmm. It was on Luna. The same place I lost. Sagira. But that was a place of Zivurath's power. It is muddled after I left that place. I do not think I made it so very far away from the Hellmouth, in truth. I was not thinking straight, if I was thinking at all. Do you remember meeting, perhaps not Savathun, but no agent of hers, nothing beyond the Hellmouth that might in retrospect be attributed to her? Nothing. At least, I don't. Uh... No, nothing that I can recall. If nothing else, knowing that you don't know is something. Laughably little. I wanted to blame you. Surely, I thought, you should have seen. Surely. I certainly blamed myself. If anyone could have identified that you were not yourself. My best student? Should have. Yes. Oof. So we have all paid for that hubris. And Sabathun's gains. Well, you are aware of the costs created by insufficient discernment of truth. Yes, so I am. Perhaps such blame is misplaced. After all, if she were discovered, what would Savathun have done in response? She might simply have moved up her plans to offer a bargain. Perhaps she would have known less of Vanguard operations. Perhaps she would never have been returned to us at all. Perhaps our guardians might have stormed her throne world regardless. After all, they are very motivated when new weapons and old friends are involved. The variables involved would give even a prediction engine difficulty. Hmm. Then perhaps you should not have made the bargain in the first place, Ikora. Osiris. Don't mistake my words for ill-guided martyrdom. That I am alive and here now is a gift I don't intend to waste. Then don't. But I am not wholly oblivious to the state of things in the city. People question me. Whatever cachet I maintained after my exile, whatever Savathun gained in my stead, it is all useless now. 
people should question their leaders, including the vanguard. But where leadership is not only challenged, but also untrusted, then there is much room for expanding chaos, corruption even. I know. Believe me, I know. Do you trust me, Akora? I'd like to say that I do. Perhaps it's better to say that I trust you, Osiris, but I still wonder if I trust my own perceptions. Good. Well, he's Osiris, Ophiuchus concluded. The pieces of his shell flexed one final time before settling into place, compact as ever. I don't know what else we expected. Ikora compressed a smile and wrapped her hand around the small recorder. You joke, but... Ophiuchus played a thin touch of light across her curled fingers. You think he sounds too much like himself. Perhaps. I'm being overly cautious. She opened her grasp, revealing an empty palm first, then producing the recorder again to pass over to Ophiuchus. A pointless trick, but worth a moment of a smile. Perhaps I think too much of what will be perceived in a failure to be overly cautious. Ophiuchus word quietly, thoughtfully. An ounce of prevention and all that. Ikora breathed out a quiet sigh as to expel her worries with it. Optics aside, I do worry about Osiris. Despite his many strengths, he is only human. Even a stone may be worn down in time and people are not so resilient as stones. Ophiuchus, for once, did not argue with her logic. Well, that's their first meeting they've had together. Yeah. And, I mean, they're kind of tiptoeing around each other, aren't they? They are. And, and they're talking about the whole situation of, like, did Savathun play Osiris well enough that, you know, nobody got it? I mean, and we asked ourselves that question, like, the whole time, too. Right. Did we know? Like, have we known? Right. And it was it was hard to know. Absolutely. She had access to his memories so she could f- see how he made decisions and then figure out how he would make decisions in the future. Right. You know, the whole, like, learn from the past so you can predict the future kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I, I agree with Ophiuchus because nobody's bully to blame here. Right. They really aren't. And the story isn't about one person. Like, destiny is about everybody. Right. And and the thing that all these characters are forgetting is that they – this was all against – the hive god of cunning. Right. Of trickery and deception. Mm-hmm. And they got deceived. Like They really did. That is her whole shtick, and she's been at it for millennia. She's very good at it. <laughs> it, like, millions of years even. Like, 
and and they've only been around for a couple centuries and they think that you know oh she shouldn't have tricked us well no she's like she's got years of experience on them i mean it doesn't even matter like how long osiris has been alive even though he's like been alive for hundreds of years more hiding in the infinite forest it's still time he's been away from other people right time that they've not been around him like it's kind of wild to me you know yeah i do like how she kind of plies him with tea like it's something that they've shared many times together and so she's using it as a way to like open him up and he knows he knows what she's doing right like he's he may have lost Sagira and he may have been, you know, in a coma for a year and, and, you know, possessed for the prior year to that. But like, he's still sharp mentally. Right. He's still able to pick out that this is exactly what she's doing. And yeah. she's trying to give him, I, I would go so much as to say like, she's using something that was the norm for them to get him back into a, a state of like, Try and, and and get him to relax a little. I mean, I don't see it as trickery. I see it as like bringing him back. Exactly. Like it, it's not trickery. It's it's a reminder of who you are, maybe. Like I, or where you come I, from. I know I've used this analogy before, but like it, it's like the smell of grandma's cookies. Yeah. You know, you you get that cookie, you you bite into it, or you smell it, and it it takes you. Like it, it gives you that that feeling inside the that in- like you go back to that point, and it's like an anchor. Yes, like a memory anchor. Exactly. Yeah, she's it's and, like anchoring you in the moment, and it's giving you an anchor in in the moment and giving you a connection back to like simpler times or you know more comforting times. So they did the same thing with. Uh, Shira's fire team when she was talking about like the problems that she was having and Reed was bringing them yes tea and they were all sitting back in the tower do you remember yes and she was talking about like in the original story right I was trying to find like which armor piece it was on. I think it was the chest piece or the arms. It's either the arms or chest piece. I I don't. I think it's the chest piece. I think it was the third armor piece. But it was when they were um, talking about her flashbacks and how they were getting really bad and how she needed help. Like before she really like broke and like went on her rampages. Yeah. This is from the part one when we were talking about Shire's fire team way, 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 way back. She grounded herself in that drink that she had. Like it's another example of using like something that's physical and in the moment. But, you know. Yeah. And it's something that you can do, too, if you're having problems or you have like a, a kind of tea that you like. Like, I really like Moroccan mint tea, and I drink a ton of it. Like, it's the same kind of thing I do. I'm having, like, not a great day. I drink a lot of it. Same kind of idea. Yeah. 
I do. I meet, I drink like a metric fuck ton of tea. I, I actually found the entry. <laughs> Did you? Oh, yay. I couldn't find it, so I'm glad you found it's it. It's on the Pyrrhic Ascent gloves, grips, and gauntlets. Because okay, good. I was looking at the chest piece, and I was like, this isn't it. it because remember, like, it's it's specific to, like, it's three different entries, but it's the same event happening from three different perspectives. Right. The part that I'm, I'm reading, so that um, drinks, the word startles Shaira. She can hear the whirring hiss of Reed Seven's articulated joints, the clank of his armor. They're hot. There's cinnamon in yours, Reed says, and Shayura musters the energy to give him a half-hearted thumbs up. Uh, I know you're upset about Sloane, Reed says, and suddenly Shayura's heart is racing in worry again. He says something else, but all she hears is the blood rushing in her ears and the thundering beat in her chest. Uh, worried that he's waiting on her for a response, Shayura interjects with something noncommittal. Thanks, she says weakly. The scent of apples and cinnamon hits her. It brings her back to her earliest memories as a guardian in the tower. When she first met Aisha and Reed, Shayura sits up enough to grab a steaming mug with two hands and drags the piping hot cider over to herself, breathing in the scent of happier times. So no, no, like that—that's exactly it, though. Same idea. So I like that. So they've used it more than one time. Yeah, I like and, it. And I mean that—that's a human thing, though. Like it's. Yeah. I keep going back to grandma's cookies. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. No, I like it. It's nice. Ooh. Shall we go to the next one? Sounds good to me. All right, let's go to the next one. Subject, second debriefing with Osiris. Contextual notes follow. Osiris and I spoke again perhaps a week after the first conversation in the same secure location, my office. It isn't the best solution. He is still not at his full strength, but the security concerns triumphed and he agreed with that. The tea was different. I tried to blend with chamomile, reasoning that there wasn't a single person in the tower who couldn't use an extra bit of calm. He took a mouthful of the chamomile tea and grimaced at me, though I could not say if it was in judgment of the flavor or the intended effects. Regardless, I was not offended. I had something extra for Osiris this time. Sagira's shell. It had been held in secure, hidden storage due to the value of the attached memories, but in the course of Lynn 357's assessment of the Altars of Reflection, I was assured his thoroughness had extracted anything we could possibly gain from it. So, while the other artifacts have remained locked away in a secure vault, this one I brought to return to Osiris. I offered him Sagira's shell without any other indication of what I meant to accomplish. Osiris cradled her between his hands with utmost tenderness in his face. I wonder how I could have mistaken Savathun for him. I wonder how I could have suspected the man before me. It seems clear now in retrospect, of course, with the one to hold up beside the other. Savathun had never spoken very much of Sagira's loss, 
and I had taken it for grief, compressed, coping tied firmly down, not to be addressed. I had thought it was not my business to tell him how to grieve, not when Zivu Arath and then the Cabal Empire were knocking at our door with wrath and battering rams. Oh, but this, this is a grief too big for even a man of his caliber to chain down. Other notes of relevance. Transcript abbreviated slightly. We spoke delicately of tactical matters for a few minutes, but did not approach the emotional issues after a certain point. Osiris's mind is as sharp as ever, and when we are not speaking close to the heart, he is analytical, if leaning to the pessimistic. Recording of conversation follows. I assume you must have come to some conclusion then. What makes you say that? You should not have returned her to me if you doubted your course. No, I wouldn't have. Hmm. I might have hoped your caution would outlast your emotion. The judgment call is still mine. In truth, it is highly improbable that Savathun would repeat the same trick twice. And besides that, she is dead. Is she? Truly? I was told she had a ghost. Amaru, yes. He yet survives. But we have sequestered Savathun's body securely, and my hidden scraped the area for Aaron's genetic material. That's no guarantee. This tactic worked in the Dark Age. It seems to hold. We have seen no evidence of a resurgence. Hmm. I wouldn't be so sure. She's managed greater deceptions. The ghosts also don't think it possible with the precautions we've taken. A disintegration might be catastrophic to that cause. But keeping the body intact and inaccessible seems to work. The Dark Age was a long time ago now. Who knows what innovations the Hive have brought to the ghosts? They are still ghosts. Are they? While we may distinguish between light bearers and guardians, there is no equivalent for ghosts, and a difference in nomenclature would hardly make much change to their capabilities. We must be prepared for a ploy we cannot see, Ikora. Where does this confidence come from when the Queen of Lies is the opponent? We do have an informant when it comes to the Hive. A conscientious objector. Well, for obvious reasons, I can't say more. We are not so direly inhibited when it comes to matters of the Lucent Hive's capabilities. Tell me when you are able. Ophiuchus was silent for some time after he had finished scanning the second report. Ikora didn't press choosing instead to stare down at Osiris's empty cup and the cushion where he'd sat. It strikes me as ironic, Ophiuchus said finally, that the problem caused by Sagira's absence is one she would have been perfectly suited to solve. Ikora's mouth curved. Complication of emotion in the bare shape of amusement Paradoxical irony, yes. She fiddled with the audio recorder, 
marking it as sealed, no further changes. I still wonder at his reaction to Imaru and our method of preventing Savathun's resurrection. Ophiuchus drifted over the low table and around the empty tea things. His shell plates moved in a ripple of discrete sections, suggesting a shrug. It sounded like fear to me. Quiet fear, perhaps, but fear all the same. I have rarely known Osiris to be truly afraid of anything, Ikora admitted. Once more, she felt as though she stood on unstable ground. And now, after over a year in Savathun's possession, Ophiuchus pressed. Ikora found she did not have the stomach to finish the thought, and so she let it pass by. Into that twilight where things fade that were known but never spoken. This was a long one. Yeah. I kind of want to start at the end and then go to the beginning. Sounds good to me. If that's okay. Um, Because I think it's really interesting that Ophiuchus points out that Sagira really would have been suited to solve this problem. Right. And she is the one that's gone. He's not wrong in that aspect. Exactly. Because, I mean, like, she spent, I mean, looking at the, the time that he's been in the infinite forest, like she spent thousands upon thousands of years with him. She mm-hmm. would know him better than anyone in the entire, you know, Destiny universe. Yeah. Not only that, but she also complimented him very well. Right. And like knew how to run all those computations, knew like everything about him and kept him calm and kept him from doing a lot of really stupid things. I mean, in the end, obviously, uh, we saw an immolent part too that it didn't keep him from doing like the stupidest thing in the end. Right. But we, we tried. yeah but i mean she did her best she did she she tried like she did i mean it's osiris how how much can you really try and dissuade him yeah exactly exactly but it's also interesting they go back going back to the beginning now that they try changing the tea he he doesn't like it he thinks it's garbage (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of with him. I don't like chamomile tea, but that's my own I've, deal. I've never actually had it, but I'm the kind of person who likes a lot of sweet in my tea. You, I mean, chamomile tea is better if you put like honey in it. Okay. So if you have it, like put honey in it. Okay. It's still like for me, I don't really like it. It's just kind of like a nothing tea. Like I like spicier tea. And that's fair. Yeah. I wonder how much they got out of Sagira's shell on the Altars of Reflection, because we had that mission in Witch Queen. Yeah. So I'm interested to see, like, what else they did when we weren't the ones using it. Because if you remember from when they did, we did that... Nemesine. ...lore book with Lynn 357. Nemesine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how you could use the same item and get different 
memories. Right. So I wonder how many times they used her shell to try to extract memories from it. Yeah, that is a good point. And also, would different people extract the same memories? And that's that's something that I've I've wondered since the beginning of Witch Queen. Like when we initially got the Nemesine lore book and I read it, I wondered that as well. Because like I I had kind of come to the mental conclusion, like my own headcanon, that it's a psychic imprint on the object itself. But there's nothing specifically saying one way or the other. I mean, we have seen that it has to, that those memories, it has to be something that is significant, sits with the memory for a long time. Right. So it has to be a significant memory. But, and I mean, Sagira was old. Right. Because the Infinite Forest was long. So, like, there could be thousands of so many memories, significant memories there. Like, right. And also, she was paracausal. So, that's a whole different set of like rules for a paracausal being or item versus a belt or a locket. I think Lynn 357 used a locket in one of the items. Yeah. So it's different using a locket versus using a ghost shell, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, I wish we got extra lore on that. Like I am so curious now. (laughs) I'm hoping that some of these loose ends end up getting separate lore pieces. Yeah. And like, it it doesn't have to be a 100% confirmation or, you know, saying this is exactly how it is but like just a small example of somebody using an item that we previously looked at and it having the same memory right or having a different memory like that that would confirm it period yeah i'm really interested to ask you about how they scraped up um savathun like in the dark ages oh that's talking about how they scraped up guardian or light bearers back in the dark ages. Yeah. So what? Uh, Who would they have done that to in the dark ages that they didn't want to come back? Warlords. Right. Did they have like a specific example of that before that I've just like missed? Not that I know of. Okay. I didn't know if there was like a big lore thing that I just like forgot about. Not that I know of. Okay. I know that they've they've talked about how some of them have dealt with warlords. Like, mm-hmm. there was some Iron Lord Rise of Iron lore that talked about, like, two or three different warlords that were offed by the Iron Lords. One of which was by Fellwinter. Right. The right. warlock that could shoulder charge and then took a shotgun out and shot a ghost. Uh, okay. I do. I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's the one that sticks. Winter is my favorite warlock. That, that yeah. is the one that sticks out in my mind. <laughs> the uh-huh. warlock that shoulder charged and was like, yes, yes. Lady Yolder taught me that. And then he pr- pulls out a shotgun and right and gets the ghost. Yes. Yes. Um, Aside from that, we don't have any information about like warlord containment or anything. It aside from just the fact that they were killed and 
you know, ghosts were killed, you know, a target. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though, like, the Iron Decree says that they, they aren't. Right. Okay. So, okay. I get it. All right. That's not bad. All right. And actually, because it's in the Iron Decree that ghosts are not to be a target, I'm wondering if that's why they came up with the, you know, containment aspect of it. Because how else do you make sure that the warlord doesn't come back? Right. True. So, like, there isn't anything that completely shows that this is the case, but it does lead you down that that road of like, okay, so if that's the case and we saw, you know, X, Y, and Z and we know, you know, W, then Mm -hmm. that could be the case. Okay. Okay. So do you see anything else in this one that's interesting to you? Uh, not really. I mean, the majority of this conversation uh, that we're actually privy to was about Savathun, Savathun's ghost, Imaru. And Ikora did mention Finch. Yeah, but she didn't actually right. tell him about Finch, which I thought was really interesting. Right. Yeah. Again, like it, it boils down to like Vanguard security clearance levels and mm-hmm. like he, he doesn't have Charizard level clearance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's only he doesn't have Mewtwo level. He's only got like Buizel level. <laughs> so Buizel level, not good enough. Sorry. <laughs> only fucking like a fucking water Pokemon. So man, that's a callback. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> it's a fucking basic Pokemon. <laughs> uh, do you want to? Should we go to the next one? Absolutely. Subject: Third debriefing with Osiris. Contextual notes follow. A week since the last debriefing, Osiris seemed in better spirits today. Perhaps there had been more time to pack troubling things away. Perhaps, having Sagira's shell in hand, he was secure in knowing the worst blow had already fallen. There was one point in the conversation where he fell into self-reflection, murmuring. He did not look at me, and his voice was not steady. Somewhere deep in memory, perhaps, whether it was his own or Savathun's, For the most part, he was coherent, himself, but here, I wondered again if it was safe to let him back into the field, or if I could, in truth, forbid him. Recording of conversation follows. I see you've changed teas again. And I saw the face you made at the chamomile. You might have chosen a better blend last time. I can brew that instead, if you'd rather. You had more questions, didn't you? Ask already. Yes. I want to know about what you remember from last year. Anything could be important, and you implied. I remember what I implied. I remember. She kept some sort of connection to me. To rely on my experiences and memories. You see, most of the time, I was delirious and lost in darkness. 
Very occasionally, I caught glimpses. Glimpses? Yes, of her. Of her thoughts or feelings. Knowledge that surely would compromise a god of secrets. So it cannot have been intended. Something must have gone awry in her plans and would account for the scattered nature of that which I recall. There are any number of things it could be attributed to. The influence of darkness, the Nezarek relics, the intrusion of Zivu Arath's forces during the ritual might have disrupted Sabathun's influence, or perhaps her death and resurrection might have had some effect on you. Hmm. Debating the reasons does not interest me. The data does. We have thought Neptune to be a dead end. A hope that was never realized. But she knew something about it. Or perhaps something on it. Which brought her power. Some deception or hidden truth. Some bluff that she had held uncalled against the witness and its disciples. Though my senses were darkened, that much was clear through the murk of her throne world. There was a secret she kept veiled, even to the last. <sighs> I do not fully understand what I saw, and for a human to understand a hive mind, how many legends of Katabasis do we have, Ikora? We currently have dozens of stories about descending to the realms of the dead, though research has indicated many more must have existed lost in the layers of human history. We will never lay eyes on. Mathematically, there were likely hundreds. Inanna and Dumazed, Ingestiana, Orpheus and Eurydice, Izanagi and Izanami, to name a few. Gods and goddesses, mortal and immortal lovers, always seeking to descend and return with the lost. And neither the lost, nor those who searched for them, were ever returned the same. Is that how you think of yourself? Ha! <laughs> Do I sound that dire? All guardians, all light bearers, have done as much. But others, well... I wonder, do our former enemies have similar stories. What exactly are you getting at? Frequently, the underworld, or those realms beyond mortal existence, possess wisdom the living do not. What, then, is knowledge from a dead hive god vested in deception? So, Neptune and secrets. Inanna. What is it? A thought. An echo of one. The return from the underworld, and Inanna cast off her veil. It makes sense. I did not understand when I first felt clutching whispers. Carrying wisdom away from Cure when she strode into the sunlight again. Cora, this witness, 
I do not say this lightly, but it made her wary. Not in the way that she might be, have been of guardians, who storm blazing into battle with power and conviction and no restraints. I still feel it, her concern, though I can give you no proof. And concern is exactly the type of thing she would lay contingency plans for. I understand. I never would have thought there was anything that could scare a hive queen. It's worrying. Of course it's worrying. He as much as said Savathun was scared of the witness. Ikora and Ophiuchus did not look at each other. The shared feeling resonated in the gap between them. Tremulously tangible. And if he had that close of a connection, Savathun could have left one of those contingency plans in him, Ophiuchus said, finally. We both want to trust him, but there's no guarantee that Neptune is anything other than a trap. Ikora linked her hands behind her back, squaring her shoulders. If we assume Osiris stole the knowledge unwitnessed, then it is a treasure a secret that may bring us some useful scraps. If we assume she gave that knowledge to him as bait, then we still know Savathun had some interest there, if not an outright presence. But why Neptune? Guardians have been there before and found nothing. Ophiuchus word empathetically with a thinking processing noise did we steal Osiris back or was he given to plant the seed of a trap on Neptune with all the effort we went to Ikora shook her head and yet mounting a guard makes that which is guarded seem even more valuable that too might have been a ploy. Then we are right back where we started. Ophiuchus swung back and forth in the air for a few moments. Hmm. There's a lot of stuff to unpack in this one. And I want to go for like the real big one first because this is just like a mouthful because there's a lot of big words here. And this is one of those things where I wish we were on Focus Fire Chat for a second because Blue would be all over this shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, let me explain everything because I know literally everything there is about like Sumerian poetry corners in whatever. Like, he would know all of this like off the top of his head. I, I do not. I'm going to do my best in like version of being blue so inanna was um was like these are like sumerian mesopotamian like mythological like gods and goddesses like dumazid is um geshtiana and um and inanna inanna is actually ishtar yes 
and we know Ishtar is Ishtar Collective. So, <laughs> um, so Inanna has a descent into the underworld. And that's what they're talking about. So Inanna perceives that Dumazid failed to properly mourn her death in this story. So when she returns from the underworld, allows the gala demons to drag him down to the underworld as her replacement. So she later regrets this decision and then said that Dumazid is going to spend half the year in the underworld and the other half of the year with her while his sister Gestiana, there's Gestiana, um, stays in the underworld in his place. And that's why there is a cycle of the seasons. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a little thing for you. So that's why there's seasons, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. So stuff you can like read the whole the whole poem. There's a whole big thing about it. Um, But there's like two different uh, versions of the story Um, and they actually survived. So it's from the third dynasty of Ur um from and that's about from 2000 bc which is kind of cool so from like the second millennium which is neat and there's one is has a much greater detail than the other one does so some of them are really long one has pictures in it the depiction of uh ishtar she's totally topless just letting you know if you find a picture of it it's uh, slutty (laughs) so there's a whole big thing of it it's there's a sumerian version and then there's an akkadian version and there's like a bunch of interpretations of it there's like so many interpretations you can get so deep into this shit there's later myths about it and it has to do with like the epic of gilgamesh so if you're familiar with that then you would be familiar with this story like gets into a whole big thing you should um go look it up it's pretty neat now from from the little bit of research that i've been able to do because i while you've been talking i've been googling it seems like and and this is just me making a small connection that i i that doesn't really lead anywhere it's just a fascinating fact so Dumazid is the god of shepherds and fertility. Mm-hmm. And the Egyptian equivalent is Osiris. Interesting. Osiris is the god of fertility, agriculture, the afterlife, the dead, resurrection, life, and vegetation. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, like I said, there's no, nothing there, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's a fun connection that I, I'm kind of seeing here, you know? And as, as far as the stories of Dumazid go, Geshtinana is Dumazid's sibling, and Inanna or Ishtar, as they are later known as, um, is the consort. She is also um, Inanna is also kind of important, at least in like the idea of like feminist theory, because she is. Um, kind of appears in and i'm like totally ripping this from wikipedia for a second but like after reading this this is like very important and i'm making a point of saying this is that she appears in like a very male dominated sumerian like pantheon 
of like Sumerian gods. And she's like literally the only female. And she's like just as powerful or more powerful than all of them. Yeah. And um, back then, like unheard of. So very important. Uh, from a, a snippet that I found says that Inanna is ancient uh, Mesopotamian goddess of love, sex, beauty, war, political power, and justice. Uh, nice. She is also known as Ishtar, the queen of heaven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I find that kind of funny because it was the Ishtar collective that went to the heavens and colonized Neptune, you know? Mm-hmm. Like. Um, yeah, she was also, um, the owl was one of Ishtar's primary symbols and mostly associated with the planet Venus, which was also known as the morning star, which was also associated with Inanna. So all those go together. Hey, Ishtar, all those things. So interesting that they are all coming up in this one entry and it all has to do with, Oh wait, what is it? Uh, Neptune weird. Right. And what did we find on Neptune? Oh wait, the Ishtar collective. That's fucking weird guys. Right. It's like, they're yelling it at us in this entry. Hindsight. (laughs) Hindsight is wild. (laughs) Hindsight is always 2020. Uh, Hindsight's like, 2010 right now (laughs) right yeah hindsight is so loud right now so loud but i mean they also talk about in this um where was it in this entry the one thing that i i wanted to to point out um mm, yes. Ophiuchus actually brings up the the thought that like did we steal Osiris back or was he given to plant the seed of a trip to Neptune? Yes. I thought that was really interesting. And and I did wonder that when we got him back. And and again like this is all this is exactly why I don't like Savathun because it's like well did she plan this? Or is it just coincidence? Yeah. And you'll never know now. Well, and... and Because you're always going to wonder. And, and But that's that's the thing. Like, every little decision or choice or, you know, event that happens, it's like, oh, it, it was Savathun. Even after her death, and it pisses me off. <laughs> I mean, there's one... Um, there's something he said here. Um, though my... Though my senses were darkened, that much was clear through the murk of her throne world. There was a secret she kept veiled even to the last. Oh, really? Irony. A secret she kept veiled on Neptune? What did she keep veiled on Neptune? The veil? No, it was the Cloud Striders. Oh, oh right. <laughs> Calabunga, dude. <laughs> oh, God. You want to read the next one? Yeah. All right. Subject. Fourth debriefing with Osiris. Contextual notes follow. This was not my finest moment. Recording of conversation follows. What? No tea this time? Osiris. The look on your face does not reassure. 
Are you all right? Of course not. You might ask a more sensible question. Fine. Let me start by saying you are not exceedingly capable at the best of times. And more to the point, well-versed in holding together throughout the impossible. So I must ask, are you in St. Harmonious? It is fine. Perhaps fine is inadequate. We have talked. We continue to talk. His was the first face I saw when I woke, and for that I am glad. Good. When she was wearing your face, Savathun was distant with everyone to an extent. We took it at the time for withdrawal, ascribable to grief. Saint mentioned he had tried to reach out with limited success. I remember seeing him through her eyes. I tried to call out. But he was distant. Perhaps it's for the best I cannot recall more. Subject Notes Subject Osiris shows physiological signs of stress. Teacup rattling. Rhythm possibly mimetic. Innocuous? Osiris, what you're experiencing is normal. <laughs> you speak with many who return lightless from hive captivity, do you? What I mean is that whatever you are pressing down, and I think I know you well enough to know that there is more than I have seen, it is normal to feel and not a personal failing, nor does it make you less of yourself. <laughs> Am I to understand that this uselessness is something you expect? You are still Osiris. Not to be allowed to fade into obscurity. As a dour old man, hmm? Is that what you want? I certainly don't think it applies. I do not think I have ever truly felt my age before. It is disconcerting, Ikora. Will you send agents to Neptune to look? Many are still deployed, but... Yes. As soon as I can justify the resources... Hmm. It isn't that I don't believe you. I did not say you didn't. If you remember anything else in the meantime. Of course. Anything to help you justify the resources. Is yikes that didn't go well better or worse than I told you so? Ikora gave Ophiuchus a firm, meaningful stare. But it was lost on him as he was otherwise occupied with the records. Neither is required, she said. In any case, none of our telemetry has ever returned anything helpful regarding Neptune. Whatever Golden Age plans were made for the planet, they never reached fruition. Someplace so innocuous would be the perfect place to hide something, wouldn't it? Ophiuchus had a sort of innocent pointedness about his tone. It's almost too innocuous. So little interesting telemetry. 
You didn't seem convinced Neptune might be anything but a trap last time we spoke about it. What changed? Your opinion, Ophiuchus said promptly. Among the rest of the data, there's one other strangeness I wanted to draw your attention to. Only one? Amusement colored his tone. I went back over the transcripts. Specifically, Osiris's reference to Inanna. I did a little research, and per the stories I have, Inanna never left the underworld of her own recognizance. Her life was taken back by the other gods. Well, he wasn't entirely wrong, either. It was just strange. Ikora tilted her head slightly, eyes unfocused with the distance of thought. I don't know how much the details matter, she said slowly. But it interests me that he fixed on Inanna after I mentioned her. I doubt ancient earth myths are the practical highest priority right now for him, or for any of us. All true, Ophiuchus said and fell silent. The ghost's doubt remained tangible, braided alongside Ikora's. Hmm. So he they both seem frustrated and she really just went kind of straight for the jugular. Yep. And is like, hey, so um straight up. How how are you and in, Insane doing? Not great. <laughs> Ikora's like, so so how are you and dad doing? Yeah. It seems like this entry to me like doesn't make any sense when the last one had like so much in it you know like does that make sense i'm wondering if these are shortened transcripts oh they are so like Um, there might be a lot that's omitted right but then like if you're omitting that why keep this part the important part because if this is the important part then like none of it was important yeah. Because to me, like, this isn't an important conversation because they're talking about, will you go to Neptune? And she's like, well, uh, I'm going to hem and haw about it. Uh, right. I don't know if it's important, but like, of course, you're going to go. You're sending us the guardian. Well, and, and honestly, that was, again, like, just like Amanda. Osiris decided to do something and Ikora was like, just go watch his back. Exactly. Osiris was going to do it no matter what. Right. I feel like she kind of pushed him into it, though, because in the end, she was like, well, I don't know if we're going to do it. And then I feel like that pushed him into doing it. If she was more like, yeah, we'll totally send people. We totally believe you. I have your back 100 percent. Like, fuck, we'll check it out. Like, right now. Like, let's go. Right. And I feel like if she had done that and had taken it more seriously, then maybe he wouldn't have gone and it would have gone way differently. Right. But I mean, like, as we stand, he has strand question mark 
or at least baby form of it yeah yeah and there and he went and then we chased after him after you know the witness had a temper tantrum yeah the the final shape cutscene didn't temper tantrum so i don't know i don't know how to take it i think and and like this is me reading very far into things and it's possibly not even canon. I'm wondering how much interaction Ikora and uh, Osiris had outside of these debriefings because like, I'm assuming they didn't have any, right? That's, that's what I'm assuming because this one feels very personal and like, there's no substance there for the Vanguard itself aside from like, Plays well with others, you know, check, check box, um, which I mean, even in his best days, he didn't. Right. But, but like this might just be her way of, of poking a little bit into his personal life because she used to be able to talk to him about it and he's been very closed off. Like this debriefing might be purely for personal reasons on her part. I think it was probably. I mean, she was already really close to him. So this was probably the best that she could do. Right. Like they they were literally mentor and mentee, you know, mentor and student. Like, and he himself has been possessed for a year and in a coma for almost a full year. Right. So at this, and he was very sporadic in his communications to her, like before that. Right. So, like, this this could very well just be a student missing her teacher and missing the way things were, missing being able to talk about everything, and her creating a situation where he's forced to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're right. Anyway, I'm glad. Oops. I'm glad that they're going now. I'm just, you know, I get, I'm glad knowing the outcome of this because we've done it already in right. Lightfall. If I had been reading this before Lightfall, like you're supposed to have done, I would have been like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. <laughs> but since reading this, like, you know, a good month after Lightfall came out, I was, I'm like, meh, it's fine. <laughs> right. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, I'm, I'm going to read the, the final entry. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Subject. Conclusions about Osiris. I've been over the logs of our conversation several times and still can't come to a solid conclusion on the correct course of action. Osiris acts like any person might when struck with the incalculable grief and trauma sometimes himself and other times distant, sometimes reserved and then inclined to argue just as quickly. He is self-aware, at least, but in my experience, the self-aware often grow frustrated quickly if they are unable to resolve that which they are struggling against. He no longer has light, nor a companion to pull him from danger and temper his most reckless instincts. This alone would make him a danger to himself, if not others, in the field. 
it is still unclear if he f is fully free from Savathun's influence, and the question of Neptune remains outstanding. I have not yet received word from the hidden sent to sweep the most apparent locations. Clearing Osiris for field work carries its own risks. Besides those enumerated above, public perception that he is fully trusted and approved of may cause backlash, foolishness, or both. Will he chafe so much at being restricted that he will simply go on his own? If that's the case, it would be better to sanction his movements, if only so that he does not waste time concealing his presence from the vanguard. Ophiuchus has not been able to argue around a firmly reasoned position. It seems we are both stricken by doubt. We can little stand to lose Osiris's knowledge. And I would hate to lose his friendship. I suspect, in the end, there will be little choice but to permit Osiris's free movement. That being said, delaying such a decision as long as possible, to give him time to heal, to give us time to search, may be the best of several imperfect options. I am still worried. So Ikora calls it out exactly how I explained earlier. Yeah. You know. He's going to go on his own. He's going to. Right. He's going to go on his own. Yeah. Whether mm -hmm. she okays it or not. So like. Yeah. Do you want him to, to, you know, fly by and say, oh, yeah, I'm heading out this way. Or do you want him doing it behind your back? And honestly, like, that's probably the same way as Amanda. Right. Exactly. If the Vanguard didn't okay it, she was going to do it anyway. Right. Exactly. What's with a bunch of people in this universe just doing whatever the fuck they want? We did the same thing. I mean... And Ikora encouraged well, it. Well, like, we've done the same thing time and time again. Oh, yeah. Zavala's like don't go after people who killed Cade and Ikora's like do it do it do it and we're like cool yeah okay let's go well and, and Aldrin Sov is mine and we totally did it well and hell like <laughs> we went after Aldrin <laughs> and all of the barons well like hell I mean it, it, there, there was if I remember correctly and I, I may be wrong on that the Curse of Osiris campaign, the Warmind campaign, Forsaken, and Shadowkeep for the first half, and Beyond Light. Like, all of these campaigns had some kind of, like, our character had agency. Like, we were, were doing whatever the fuck we wanted. Actually, yeah, definitely Beyond Light, because we were just off getting darkness powers, like, without permission. And Zavala was like, that's a bad idea. And Zavala's like, don't do that. And we're like, you can't tell me what to do, Dad. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go dye my hair and pierce my belly button. Uh, two middle fingers. It, th that's exactly it. Like, we, the Guardian, had so yeah. much agency. Like, we did whatever the fuck we wanted. Yeah. And other characters are starting to catch on. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Amanda and Osiris, like they're they're starting to do to act the same way that we normally would. But but I'm wondering how much of it is because like we're like the chosen one, and like how much of it is just because like 
they just don't listen. Like we're the one that's like, you know, killed Crota and like killed Oryx and like did all these like big things. <laughs> and they're just around. So we were only able to do those big things because of the sacrifices that came before us. Also, I guess like we would have we would not have gotten on the dreadnought if it wasn't for Amanda. So so now now hear me out. So going back to D1, okay. Mm-hmm. The the Dark Below and the Taken King. Mm-hmm. The only reason we beat Oryx was because he was not at his full power. Right, right. Because we killed Crota. I remember. If we didn't kill Crota, we wouldn't have been able to kill Oryx. I remember. Now, the only reason we were able to kill Crota was because Crota was weakened and we had a plan because Eris. Right. And the sacrifices she made. Right. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for Eris, we wouldn't have been able to do any of that. Exactly. So really, it was because of her fire team. Exactly. So really, Toland was the one that enabled us to do all of oh, this. Oh, God, I hate that. But yes, you're not the only one fucking hate that. It's true, though. Hate it. If it wasn't for Toland, they wouldn't have gone down there. Fuck you, Toland. And and the only reason our guardian is considered the chosen one is because we were able to kill Crota, kill Oryx. And mm-hmm. we were specifically were the one that, you know, time traveled to, to give Saint the perfect paradox and hope Mm -hmm. and then fight next to him in that cool ass bubble. My God, that, that mission was so amazing. Still the almost, I think the greatest (laughs) mission in all of destiny (laughs) Two. give me that mission back, please. My stupid crayon eating ass. Like I stood there and I was like, bubble, I'm popping a bubble too. I know. And then it, it occurred to me, no, I could just, like, put whatever super I wanted on and deal with it. Mm-hmm. 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 It, it took me a good, like, 20 minutes to clear that mission just because I was having stupid fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a cool mission. It's a really cool mission. Oh, my God. That was such a cool season. Anyway, we got distracted. Yeah. Um, so, uh, conclusions about Osiris. Um Ikora worried Osiris going to go do what he wants because Osiris does what he wants. Um, book over. What did you think of the book? I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. And as stupid as it is, I think my favorite entry was Ikora asking if her two dads were all right. Oh, <laughs> I think my favorite entry was the one where they talked about Ishtar and all that stuff because oh, yeah. that got complicated. I did not like reading all the names because I can't pronounce words I am not familiar with. Dumazid, <laughs> Geshtinana. Oh my god. Oh Inana. my god. Inana, Gazuntite. Eurydice. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's too many. Izanagi, I know that one. <laughs> I have Izanagi's burden. I'm familiar with that one. Katapa says, we know that one. We know that one from Captain's Log. Yeah. Yeah. And even though, and, yeah. It's pretty great. And Izanami was a forge. Izanami. I know. Not a good forge, but a forge nonetheless. I hated farming that one for the shader. 
That forge was terrible, but still one of the forges. Ding. It was one of the forges that existed. Anywho. Uh, anyway, um, I liked all of these books. They were great. I was not a fan of the Cabal one, but... You just didn't like Callus's bejeweled nipples. God, no. <laughs> God, no. Callus's um. milky bejeweled nipples in his, like, mammalian marsupial pouch. His birthing pouch. <laughs> and then him just, like, yanking children out of him. <laughs> Throwing his babies at his, like, ex-whiff. <laughs> Icky. No. I don't like anything about that book. I mean, I do because it's a callus, but at the same time, ew. I hate all, I, I hate everything about that. Icky. Actually, I think my favorite book was uh, Elsie. I think Elsie's book was my favorite book. Yeah. I think by far, like easily, Elsie's book was my favorite. Diving into and Callus's book was my least favorite. It's, there's a limit to the amount of sweetmeats I can consume. I found that limit <laughs> in Callus's book. But Callus's bejeweled like nipples are my limit <laughs> for the amount of sweetmeats I can consume. <laughs> Can't do it. Callus's luscious body. Please no. <laughs> I can't. Um, I can't do it. But no, like I, I actually agree with that. Yeah, I thought it was really like, good. I, I enjoyed seeing what the hell pukas were for. Yeah, and how she used them, and how she learned stasis like retroactively. Right. I. Mean, it's so great. So great. Like, like so good, Bungie. Like, really good job with these. And like it, it really made me feel for her character because she tortured herself for it she did it like to save her sister and to get information to like save everybody right like she did a really good job i thought it was amazing yeah i, I loved oh. that book Mm-hmm. yeah so orchid shout outs i do i have a shout out and i actually have one and i don't have to like think about it so um, I got the glorious news that my friend Kenny got engaged to his uh, girlfriend, Vic, and I'm really happy for them. So congratulations. Congratulations. So, yeah. So Kenny is like my longtime like Sherpa friend and he puts me in his like Katie backpack and then carries me around in game usually. So when I talk about like my like my boys that take me around in game that make sure like flashy things don't hurt me or I play a lot of crucible with like Kenny is one of those boys and he's good people. Um, I'm really happy for him. Yeah. He's really good people. He's super nice and um, he's super precious to me and I'm really happy for both of them. Like Vic is so good for him and like he's over the moon. I'm thrilled for both. I'm super thrilled for both of them. So I cannot wait for them to get married. That's awesome. So, I'm so happy for them. Like, so happy. Like, I can't wait to uh, meet her and, like, watch them get married. So. That's awesome. Yay. Yeah. I'm really happy. So, what about you? 
Uh, God, now I'm the one who's actually grasping for one. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is look how the turns tables. You know, shout out to Rindle. This is gonna be kind of a long one to edit, so I'm 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 giving my shout out to that poor man. Poor man, Rindle. Secondary shout out to Rindle for the Australian Grand Prix last weekend. Holy shit. I'm still thinking about that race and it's been almost a week. <laughs> By the time this comes out, it will have been a week. <laughs> that race. <laughs> that happened. And on <laughs> that note, this is the part where we yeah. like to do a special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zivas. You can find him on Twitter at Rindle Zivas. The artwork and music for this episode is copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They're the resource we normally use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. Yay. And final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore at hey it's orchid or at i underscore am underscore elemist you can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com you can leave us a five-star review wherever you find the podcast you know what why don't you just jump into our discord as well the invite is in the episode description but if you want to type it out it's discord.gg slash lore hub and if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Finger Guns. Thank you so much, Finger Guns. Lol. All right. <laughs> Say goodbye, Orchid. Goodbye, Orchid. Yes! Oh, my God. Take care. Bye. Otters are slippery. Oh, that's a new one. You yelled at me about it. I know. I'm really proud of you. Goodbye. Yeah, sucking debrief into the cyrus. I mean, only if Saint's there. <laughs> That is. I must know which bird coos first. <laughs> oh, pigeon God. and phoenix at the same time. Wow. <laughs> I am not in this conversation any longer. <laughs> Oh, I have mascara in my eyeball. It's not where it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go around my eyeball, not in my eyeball. God. I don't need to see with that eye. I mean, I do, but I don't. I mean, that's what I say about my eyes. So, I mean. Yeah, but you can see in like multiple directions. <laughs> I'm chameleon. Yeah. <laughs>